All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Wicked Side. This is Brenna speaking, and I'm here today with my brother again. You guys seem to really like him, so I brought him back. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and uh, I have, I don't think, I, did I even tell you what we're talking about today? Or? You gave me a brief text message about it, and I'm going to be honest, I read it about as briefly as it was written, so. <laughs> but you don't have a clue. Yeah, you were like, do you want to do the podcast? I'm like, oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> That's actually kind of perfect because um, Dad was the one who told me about this one. Okay. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll go ahead and definitely get that. Sorry for all the background noise, folks. But hey, look, I didn't open. I didn't open it up opening candy wrappers or uh, something yeah. this time. So <laughs> or moving your chair yeah. loudly or scraping it along. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really tried for you this time. <laughs> Oh god, but yeah, um, a little little hyped right now. I actually just got done giving my sixteen ounce on his first tattoo. So you degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I am, but he sat so good, and it was under conditions. He had to be on the honor roll, which he is. Fair. And he had to have a really good record. Couldn't get into any trouble, nothing like that. And he's a great kid. He's on the honor roll. So I told him, all right, he couldn't be in a place he could see. And he had to put a lot of thought into it, and yep. he did. He put a ton of thought into it, and he ended up getting something that his dad has. Yeah, and that's that to me is very, it's very, very cute. That's a very thing, you know. It's a very nice thing for him to do, and yeah, for it to be as heartfelt as it was. So. Right, but all right, let's just uh, jump into it. So, if you venture out to Forest Park, Illinois, you'll find Woodlawn Cemetery. There, you'll find something curious: rows of grave markers, most with the same death date. Some marked as unknown male or four-horse carriage driver, and others with names such as Baldy, which is unusual to say the least. But as you look around, you'll also notice five elephants sculpted from stone, their trunks lowered in a static somber pose. You see, you would be standing in the spot known as Showman's Rest. A mass grave is there, dedicated to the performers lost in a tragic accident. You'd find a large stone monument that reads, Hagenbeck Wallace Circus Train Wreck. The 22nd of June, 1918. But as always, let's start from the beginning with Ben E. Wallace. I found his story on circusandsideshows.com, which had an article printed from the Peru Daily Tribune Circus Edition. I didn't know they did circus editions. It really, it just sounds like the start to a Guillermo del Toro movie or something. A little bit, <laughs> like, yeah. This is the Circus of Horrors. And I think I was telling you, too, this whole thing happened like i i could almost walk there it's crazy how close to us it is and i've thought about going there so if i do head out there uh for a little dark tourism i'll be sure to post the pictures like i did with the burger chef i'm I'm really interested to go see the cemetery because it's not just a cemetery for this group it is actually owned by the uh, showman's association of america Okay. And so a lot of really famous circus performers are buried there. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Well, isn't there a uh, a town here that they're around here that's basically all just circus performers or descendants of? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's where this takes place. Yeah, okay. 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 Fair enough. So that there makes sense. <laughs> Dad's talked about it a lot, so that does make sense he'd have brought it up. Yeah. That does. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I'm putting pieces together. I'm fixing the puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> The Peru Daily Tribune Circus Edition read that. Published July 15th of 1986. 
and written by Nancy Newman. Our, uh, the guy in question today, Benny um, Wallace, was born October 4th of 1847 to parents Ephraim and Rebecca Wallace in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and he eventually ended up in Peru, Indiana. I'm not sure how, couldn't find anything on that. And in 1882, after running a, li- a livery business for 18 years, which is like the horse stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, he found himself... It's tack. Tack. Whatever. All right, farm boy. They <laughs> <laughs> just know enough of them, damn it. <laughs> but uh, Wallace found himself at a sale for the equipment of the W.C. Coop show. That had, from time to time, passed through Peru on its way to Detroit. But eventually, it ended up declaring bankruptcy, and its equipment was sold. That day, Ben went home, the owner of six to seven rail cars full of tent poles, costumes, and other equipment, you just may need to start a circus. <laughs> After attending a sale in Texas, he also returned with several rail cars full of horses. He was definitely single. Yeah. No one comes home with that many <laughs> rail cars full of shit and shows it to your wife. And like, your wife's like, yeah, that's fine, honey. <laughs> hope you can sleep in all of it. It'd be real good for you to pitch a tent and get the fuck out. He's like, you spend our money on what? <laughs> no, honey, listen to me. We can start a circus. <laughs> Maybe back then it wasn't so far-fetched, but definitely nowadays, just not on your top list of, you know, starting yeah. a business. No, but apparently. Then after 10, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but he didn't stop there. Apparently his next step was to go to Chicago and buy even more animals of a crazy variety. He put together an entire show, and he wanted the show to be quality. As we've discussed before in this show, I think it was even with you when we did the SS Eastland, the past was pretty, pretty bereft of entertainment. The traveling circus was a welcome break from boredom, especially in small towns. Wallace was, for whatever reason, he wanted his show to be called. And bear with me, because this is fucking long. Okay. Okay. Wallace and Co.'s Great World Menagerie, Grand International Mardi Gras, Highway Holiday Hidalgo, and Alliance of Novelties. Okay. So we wanted no one to be able to pronounce that. Exactly. (laughs) Yep, apparently the past was so awful that you had to distract yourself by giving everything long and obnoxious names for no damn reason. Look, I just go back to the the, the <laughs> Eastland disaster where people are hanging out the window to listen to Calliope music. Uh, I, if I'm hanging out of the window listening to Calliope music, there is a noose around my neck. Like, <laughs> very literally hanging out of the window. <laughs> Not something you're doing on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> But Ben never got to show, got this show off the ground. January 25th of 1884, a fire broke out, killing many of the animals, including lions, tigers, deers, kangaroos, and monkeys. The cause of the fire was an overheated stove in the old chair factory he kept the animals caged in. Needless to say, this seems pretty spot on for how animals were treated in the entertainment industry as a whole in the early days. I'd like to believe it's better now, and I know circuses that refuse entirely to work with animals altogether but i'm sure we still have a long way to go because don't we always well and it really depends on where you're at in the world because everybody's got different standards for how animals should be treated or what animals should be treated what way or yeah no it's pretty non-universal so exactly despite this setback via terrible awful fiery death wallace was determined to make a go of it on April 26th of 1884, he put his first show on in Peru. With an estimated crowd of 5,000 watching, Wallace had a parade down the streets with Peru's own brass band heading it up. 
Both the matinee and evening performances were full, and about 300 people actually had to be turned away. He made sure his circus was a high-quality experience, and to ensure this, he partnered with Al Fields and James Anderson, men who knew their way around the circus industry. Together, they made the show a wild success and eventually changed the name to the more practical The Great Wallace Show. I highly recommend the article obtained that I obtained this information from. It has a lot of great stories, a lot of interesting stories on um, like like how the animals, they had like a, a winter um, kind of resting place for the animals in the off season for them to be and like some of the weird stories of like the animals escaping and getting around town or stuff like that. It, it's a really great article. It has a lot of great um, stories, but it just, you know, none of that is really pertinent to what we're talking about today, so I left a lot of that out. Uh, oh, yeah. I, why, why add all the humor in when there's murder to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's dark history podcast, dear dark. <laughs> we got to get to that spot eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's for the spinoff. That's for the spinoff. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but now we find ourselves in 1907 when Wallace purchases the Hagenbeck Circus and merged it with his own, calling it the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus. According to the article, this circus was on the same level as the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey's. They were making so much money they had to keep it to keep it safe and prevent it from being stolen. Wallace would send the money back to Peru in barrels labeled nails. He even had to create a bank because no bank in the area wanted to handle so much money. So apparently he was doing well for himself. As I say, sounds like our, uh, our sounds like the the legal weed dealers around. <laughs> just carting around wheelbarrows of money, man. A lot of the banks still won't take the stuff. So yeah, yeah, that problem seems to be universal. For well, shoot, that's why OnlyFans is getting rid of their uh, adults only content. It's because mm-hmm. of the they're trying to legitimize more, and the banks don't want to deal with them. If it's I just, thought they reversed that decision. I, don't, I mean, that was the whole reason they started considering it in the first place, is a lot of banks just didn't want to take the money. Yeah. Yep. Oh, goodness. Too many single mom booby monies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now we come back to the dark part of the Dark History Podcast. This bit I got from one of my favorite YouTube channels, Fascinating Horror. Uh, again, I completely recommend this channel. It's really great. They're like 10, 15-minute snippets of little mini documentaries, and they're really interesting, really well done. Um, he does a lot of great research. And uh, the Chicago Tribune article by Sue Ellen Ross, dated January 19th of 2020, entitled Documentary Tells Tale of 1918 Circus Train Tra- Tragedy on Indiana Lakeshore. And of course, Wikipedia, kind of to fill in little spaces here and there. As said before, it was June 22nd of 1918, in the hours considered either very late night or early morning. One of the two trains owned by the circus was chugging along the tracks at a slower pace. The train was old, having been built in the early 1800s and renovated a few times. The cars were still made of wood, unlike the newer steel counterparts. Inside, the gentle rocking motion of the cars were around 300 members of the Hagenbeck Wallace Circus. Most of them were asleep, exhausted by their performance run in Michigan City and on their way to Hammond, Indiana. All was fairly quiet and normal until a man named Oscar Tim, a brakeman for the train, noticed one of the axle bearings was red hot. He immediately signaled for the train to stop so repairs could be made. Other signals went up and the train was slowed down and brought to a complete stop. 
Oscar Tim and his colleagues disembarked in order to set up signal flares to warn other trains that they were stopped for repairs. So they had time to stop themselves, of course. But before they were able to complete the job, they noticed a light from another train coming toward them. The train in question was Michigan City Troop Train, driven by Alonzo Sargent, and pulling 20 empty Pullman sleeper cars. And that was like a, a specific design of sleeper car. Okay. I actually looked that up. Not that it's really relevant, but I thought it was interesting, so. They had different sleeper cars. Yeah. <laughs> the more you know. Ba-da-da. Oscar Tim began frantically running down the line, waving his arms and bellowing at the top of his lungs. In desperation, he even threw his signal flare at the driver's window, but it did no good, because inside, Alonzo Sargent was fast asleep. Sergeant knew he was following an older and slower train, but despite this, exhaustion from 24-hour shift, with almost no sleep, heavy meal, and kidney pills he was taking, and of course the warmth and rocking of the train caused him to fall asleep at the controls. At around 4 a.m., the oncoming train smashed into the rear of the parked circus train at a section of the track about five miles outside of Hammond, known as Ivanhoe Interlocking. The wooden carts put up little to no resistance. It plowed through several fully occupied cars before finally coming to the stop. One of the survivors described it this way. I woke up to the sound of splintering wood, and then suddenly I was sitting up. Then there was another crash, and another, and another. I was pounded into the corner of my berth. My scalp was split open. The whole car buckled. It parted down, clean at the center, as clean as though it had been sliced but with a giant knife. I felt my section rising as the engine of the troop train plugged into it. Then I was away up in the air on top of the wreckage in my shirt and drawers. I came down on my head and lay still. A coat came sailing over and landed on top of me. Then everything was quiet. Despite many being injured and in shock, the survivors were forced to act quickly because several of the oil lamps inside the train were causing fires to break out amongst the wood debris. They had to work as fast as they could to try to dig out any survivors trapped within the burning wreckage. Performers such as clown, aerialists, strongmen, and acrobats, and many others were in the rescue efforts. Two men stationed at the Ivanhoe signal tower nearby, they were only actually 100 feet away. Uh, They called for help immediately. The first to arrive was actually the mayor of Gary, Indiana, and his fire chief. The mayor had phoned every medical personnel he knew and gathered them to help the survivors. Wow. In this whole time you're talking about this, I have this, uh, the Benny Hill music play. And the clowns are running around trying to put fires out and they're hitting each other with the buckets of water and their heads are on fire. Come on. I'm sure it was not that jovial. I know, but I'm trying here. I know you just want to make it something like not as awful and terrifying as it sounds. Yeah. Yep. And I can, like, the sound, that sound of the, the metal and the wood, and I can't even imagine how... Especially waking up to Ugh. it. Like, all yes. of the sudden. Waking up to my child knocking on my door too loudly scares me. There you go. So yeah. I can't imagine. Right, exactly. Yeah. Ugh. It's just terrifying to think about. I know I'm trying, but somber, somber, somber. <laughs> oh, I 
know, but it's heavy and it helps to make jokes. <laughs> uh, I'm so used to gallows humor. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, more firefighters and locals showed up and began helping, uh, starting with the injured. Sadly, several morticians were also called as well, and the dead were taken to every funeral home nearby that had space available. All told, 86 were left dead and 127 were injured. Yeah. A makeshift triage was set up in Michigan City or Michigan Central Station in Hammond, and then the victims were sent to St. Margaret's Hospital. Most of the victims were killed about 35 seconds after the collision happened. Some of the dead were so badly burnt that they were unrecognizable. Mm. The list of fatalities also included also included Arthur uh, Deercheck and Max Nitzborn of the Great Deercheck Brothers, a strongman act, and Jeannie Ward Todd of the Flying Wards, and five day. And five days after, 53 of the train's occupants were interred at the Showman's Rest, which sadly had actually just been purchased by the Showman's League of America a few months before. It had always been intended, of course, to be a resting place for those who worked in the circus industry, but terribly heartbreaking that it had to be used so soon by so many at one time. Yeah. Only five of the 53 were able to be identified officially. Oof. Yeah. And in a bittersweet note, after some of the survivors passed away, they were buried alongside their fellow comrades, wishing to rest with them. Which I thought was very, like I said, just bittersweet, you know? Hey, to love a job so much you want to be buried by your coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> I right. know a lot of fuckers who just want to bury their coworkers, let alone <laughs> be buried by them. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, Sergeant and his fireman, um, a man named Gustav Klaus, or Klaus, Klaus, Klaus probably, were arrested and later put on trial. Sergeant refused to testify during the proceedings following the advice of his lawyers. This was his official statement in his report to the railroad company, and bear with me because it's a bit long, but I found it all really interesting. I was called shortly after 8 p.m. June 21st for Deadhead Equipment West Engine 8485 from 10.15 p.m. and left Kalamazoo, Michigan at 10.35 p.m. Had been up since 5 a.m. June 21st, deadheading from my home in Jackson on train 41 and had little to no sleep during that day. Had a couple of heavy meals before going out realizing that I would not get anything more to eat until sometime the next morning, leaving Kalamazoo, following the freight train to Michigan City Yard, and stopped at Signal near Central Street. Got got proceed light from someone on the ground, pulled up to Michigan City, stopped at Standpipe, and took water. While following the freight train, we stopped first between Dwajak and Pokagon, and on actual signal at Danger. Stopped again at Pokagon and Niles for same reason. This freight train being ahead. Now, I kind of find that funny because, like, if anybody else was reading this, they wouldn't know how to pronounce those. Yep. It's only because we've, we've grown up here, here yeah. that we know how to pronounce that. Yep. Because <laughs> all of this all of this land is, is Native American named. Like, yeah. 
Leaving Michigan City, head clear track to East Gary, and there caught block of train ahead. Reduced speed, but I did not have to stop. As block cleared before I reached it, reduced speed going through Gary to comply with the rules, and saw no more signals, caution, or danger until approaching the east curve of Ivanhoe, where I found the second signal east of wreck at caution. Was going 25 miles per hour at this point, but did not reduce speed as I expected that the next signal would probably clear before I got to it, or that I would see it, if any, if at danger, in time to stop. The wind was blowing very hard into the cab on my side, and I closed the window, which made the inside of the cab more comfortable. Before reaching the next signal, I dozed on account of the heat in the cab and missed it, not realizing what had happened to me until within... 70 to 90 feet. I awoke suddenly and saw the tail or marker lights showing the red train directly ahead of me. Not realizing that the rear of this train was so close, I started to make a service application, but before completing it, placed the brake valve handle into emergency position. We struck almost instantly after making the brake application. Don't know whether I closed the throttle or not, but I think I did. Looked to see where the fireman was and saw he was running toward the gangway. Did not see fusee or torpedo or see any other warning signal up to the time I saw the red lights. Wreck happened at about 4.05 a.m. June 22nd, and I stayed there for an hour or more assisting and getting people out of the wreckage. I have been in the service of Michigan Central Rail Company for approximately 28 or 29 years, and the last 16 of which I have been continuously employed as an engineer. I'm, a per I'm in perfect physical condition as well as mental condition and have no illnesses within 25 or 30 years requiring the service of a doctor. There was nothing defective about the air brakes or other mechanisms of the engine or train that was operating, nor was there any defective condition of any, any signals or track upon which I was operating to the best of my knowledge. The accident was due solely to the fact that I accidentally fell asleep and I had no intent to injure any person nor was same done with malice, but solely through an accident, as foresaid. That sucks. Yeah. Literally around a tight ship and then just... One moment. Out. That's all it was. One moment. I mean, people fall asleep behind the wheel of cars daily. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. Yep. I mean, behind semi-trucks, same thing. Yeah. It's it's so easy to do as a as a guy who's driven professionally a lot. I just I know exactly how that feeling is. Like, you don't know how many times I've been in a big truck hauling something and and literally, you know, windows down, screaming like a madman because I keep drifting off. Yeah. And it's either scream like a fucking madman or drift off with a hundred thousand pounds of, of rolling death on you. Yeah. So I'm sitting there screaming like a madman. Right. <laughs> ah, yeah. I swear to God. And I, I really don't feel like there was a bad guy in this case. It was just, it was just a, a tired guy who was working his ass off, Horrible you know. Accident. And like he said, there was nothing malicious about what he did. What he did was not intentional. Yeah. It was an accident. He was on a twenty-four hour shift. He fucking passed out. Like. No, it's just tired. We've all fallen asleep against our will. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I remember um, when I worked for the airport at one point, I had worked at double. I had been there all night, and I, I think I had slept over at your house on your mm -hmm. couch for like two or three hours. Mm -hmm. Went back to work. We had worked the first um, 
worked the first plane and then afterwards I remember sitting there and I was doing my paperwork and then I just I just nodded off I don't even remember doing it I just remember my head jerking down suddenly and that motion woke me up yep and like a co-worker was standing like really close next to me on the radio at the time and he like looked over at me like are you okay and I'm like <laughs> yeah no sorry I just drifted off like I didn't even realize I had done it I was just that tired yeah you know I've done it before for Construction ships where, like, you know, being tired of doing that and, and pulling long days well into the night to, to finish the project or whatever, and then just to get in your own personal car and go home, I've, I've literally just sat there and, and slept. Yeah. Because I was just like, I'm going to get five minutes down the road and do the same thing. I might as well just do it here without the car wreck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've done that too, where I've just, I've like set the alarm on my phone and I've taken like a 20, 30 minute nap. Because I'm like, I can't drive right now. Yep. I need that 20 or 30 minutes to get me back on my feet, and then I'll be okay. Yep. But, you know, it, it sucks. Like, it's not comfortable, but I'd rather that and be as safe as I can for the people well, around me. I, yeah. Yeah. I gotta make it home, man. I yeah. gotta make it home. That's what I gotta do. Exactly. You know? I've got friends and family, and, you know, I... I the same time, you know, especially with the way we were raised, you want to put 110% into everything you do, you mm-hmm. know, every job you have, every day you're there, you want to give as much as you can give. And that's great, but at the same time... You've got to be able to come back the next day. Yeah, exactly. Yep. You have to have enough in the reserve tank to be able to keep doing it. Yep, yep, yep. And sometimes just you just that. don't have that, you know? I get it. I quit a job because I just didn't have the enough tank to to keep it up and to, to to maintain that and a home life and be happy and comfortable and yep still be able to do the things I want to do. And the same, the same as um, I won't name the place, but it was when I was working at the gas station, I was I was working like sixty eighty hours a week at that place because they were short staffed and we couldn't keep anybody there. And then the people we were hiring were not what I would call quality. Yeah. So I was doing my job plus like three or four other people's jobs on top of all of that. Yep. And, you know, all for like barely above minimum wage. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I killing myself? Like, why am I doing this to yeah. myself? I could have I quit an $80,000 a year job because of that. No. I just... If I can't be home and go to the soccer games and go to the parent-teacher conferences. and Exactly. If I can't do all of that, it's just not worth it to me because it's the reason I fucking do it in the first place. Yep. Exactly. I don't, Bingo. I don't, I don't work to live, or I don't live to work, I work to live. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I, I do what I got to do and I'm good at what I got to do because, you know, I, I want to do this and, you know, this is how I want to make my money, but, like, mm-hmm. I do it because I like watching my kid grow up. I like yeah. having time to build Legos with him or do a model kit or watch a shitty fucking action movie or whatever it is, like, sitting around with the dog and the kid and the wife. That's the whole reason I go to work. Yeah. It's the whole reason, like, I mean, that I love guy. what I do. I just can't imagine that guy because... Yeah. That's, I mean, he spent the last 30 years doing this, you know, yeah. pushing these trains and being safe. And one way or the other, he was involved with that train rolling down the track for 30 fucking years. And yeah. then one heavy meal and a long shift and you drift off in this. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having that well, on my said, like He soul. remembers passing through Gary. Yeah. And the first people to arrive were from Gary. So they couldn't have been far. So it was... 
He literally nodded off. His chin hit his chest and bam. Yeah. Ugh, that's got to be terrible. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. Like, again, one of the reasons that I do this job is, like, I, I, because I love it. I love the art form. I love everything about it. But it's the only industry that I can think of that would give me the freedom that I need to be there for my husband and my daughter. Yeah. You know? Uh, anybody else, they don't care if the, you have two disabled people you care for. Right. You know, I have to take off sometimes to take care of Scott if his legs are bad. Sometimes if Sorsha has a meltdown, she needs me. I have to be there. Yep. You know, and another benefit for working for a small business too, like my bosses, Scott and Andrea, I can't say enough nice things about them. You know, I'm incredibly loyal to them because they've always been there for me too. Right. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. No. You know, you, you, and, and they're as loyal to me as I am to them, and that means something to me. Yep. That means a lot to me. Well, it, it's, it's like that in any job. It, when, you, when you give and give and give and you don't feel like you're getting back, yep. you leave. Yep. You know, you become, and it's yeah. not just the money. No. It's not. It's, mm-hmm. it's also the care. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you're cared for at a place, you yep. work yourself to death for those people. Yep. If you I know? feel if I feel like my my sacrifice and my investment is somehow shared, mm-hmm. yeah, it's everything is going to feel more meaningful. Everything that I do, nothing is going to feel art or not, I'm not going to feel slighted. I'm gonna, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, that's why I like working with small business because I know that they genuinely appreciate my hard work because it genuinely affects them. Right. I'm not a number on a sheet yeah. to them. I'm not just another, you know, faceless. You know, exactly. My direct effort matters to them and their well-being. Yep. You know, which you don't have working for a large corporation. They don't care, you know. Yep. It doesn't matter how good of a worker you are or how hard you work, you know. Because the the asshole sitting next to you that's been there longer but does half of the work is going to make more money. He's kissed more boss ass than you. Exactly. Or he's (laughs) just been there longer. And that's some bullshit, too. You know, it was, I, I, I know you've had this too. You just, you work jobs and you give it your all and you feel so beaten down and frustrated by the fact that you don't fucking matter. Yep. Yeah. I don't like being inconsequential. No. So I, you know, doing construction and stuff I do. I like that because I'm, I'm so close to the dollar when, when we get paid, you know, when, when we complete a project, mm-hmm. like we know like we can see the direct bottom line we know that we know what the you know what that check hit in the company is going to look like what that's going to look like to us what you know mm-hmm. we're we're having to take into account you know fuel costs and, and our costs and we're, we're so much closer to the development of the company itself yeah that it it uh, makes it personal and and it feels like a real accomplishment when you accomplish something because it's not like there's 50 million other branches of this company that are doing the same thing daily. It's like, you know that this is you and this is it. And this, this check right here, this just paid the company. This yeah. just paid that kid over there, that kid over there, that guy right there, that one right there. That you just paid all them with that with finishing that job. Yeah. Not to mention you paid yourself. Yep. So. Yep. And I, there's something to that too, knowing that other people are relying on you. Mm-hmm. That I think pushes you a little harder. Some people. Some you know. people are real scared of it. Nah. For me, I no, guess, and I, and I know for you, I, you know, I know knowing that, like, my coworkers, knowing that my family depend on me, 
and well, my effort me, pushes me. And for and for me, but professionally speaking, for the longest time, for most of my career, it was both personal and family because I worked with family. So mm-hmm. it was, it was this weird like mix of of professional success and then like uh, appeasing your older brother type thing. Yeah, you know, like uh, or getting that approval. Yeah, I get that. So I get that. It was a strange mix of accomplishment. Yeah. And you do, when you do work with family, there is that, like, you want to make them proud. You want them to see you. Yeah. Even that brief time you and I worked together, I like, mm-hmm. it was on my mind. Like, I want to represent, you know? Right. Same here. And I told you that. And I just, yeah. they, all the people who worked with knew that. <laughs> Which is why when I got fired, that was I told all them all, the I'm like, y'all better, y'all better start talking to me different because she ain't here no more. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, no, one of you pops off weird to me and you're going to fucking know it. I, I let them know real fast. Yeah. A, fuck you. B, like, you don't realize how much I, she was protecting you guys. <laughs> like, did not realize the buffer. <laughs> can, can we tell the story of how you quit? Yeah, yeah, feel free. I love that story. I love that story. Because <laughs> I got a message from an ex-coworker about how you quit, and I was yeah. dying. <laughs> you you want to you wanna hear the best part about it? Is what? I warned them a year in advance that this is how I was going to quit, and then I proceeded to say it for the next year until it happened. Yeah. But I tell them, I tell them, one of these days, I'm going to get sick of this fucking shit, and I'm going to walk into the goddamn back, and I'm going to hand you... The uniforms I've got, and I'm gonna walk out of here in my boxers. I said, and it's gonna be an orange pair of boxers that my grandmother got me for Christmas with a skunk on the butt of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna walk out of here in that. And one day I got super, super fed up. And the assistant, I go, you know, fuck it. And the assistant manager looked at me and he goes, oh shit, is this it? <laughs> and I go, yep. This is fucking it. Fuck this place. I'm done. This is the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I I, uh, I put my shit down. I started walking to the back to the manager's office. And, I, and God bless the manager there. I loved her to death. She was uh, she was amazing. Um, <clears throat> the the the, uh, the manager of that area. The, mm-hmm. it, she was great. And I, I walked into her office and said, you know what? Fuck it. I quit. And uh, right after that, one of the other managers walked in behind me, one of the floor managers, and he goes, oh, I wasn't going to miss this. <laughs> <laughs> and I did right there. And she goes, what are you doing? And I started unbuttoning my top like some uncomfortable Chippendale dancer. <laughs> and uh, I was doing uh, car service maintenance, so I had like the blue, you know, the blue denim shirt, the blue pants or whatever. And mm-hmm. I did. I just took them off, handed them to her. I had my, my, my white t-shirt on underneath my, and, uh, my orange pair of boxers. And... I handed her the uniform, and I had a. And the funny thing is, too, is it was wintertime, and I had a pair of jeans draped over my arm. <laughs> so you could have put them on. I totally you could. You made a choice. I not totally to. could have put the pants on, but I did not. And uh, I, I walked out of the store, and uh, I walked out of the manager's office in the back, started walking through a couple of different sections, said goodbye to the people who Ooh. saw, and the people who saw me instantly knew what was happening. They were like, oh my god, it's the prophesied moment! <laughs> And I did. I just I was just waved at some people. I shook a couple of people's hands, and then I went, I got to the door. No, I got to the door. Mm-hmm. Kicked off my shoes and put my blue jeans on because it was winter time and snowing out. <laughs> <laughs> and I put my jeans on, and they were like, "You could have done that the whole time." And I'm like, "Where well, was the fun in that?" Exactly. And ever since then, yeah, I, I'm the guy who quit my job and uh, walked out in my underwear. <laughs> and 
I got my phone blew up. I was getting messages like, did you know what your brother did? And I'm like, no, I, but I'm not going to be surprised. I have had people up to a couple of years ago be like, aren't you the dude who walked out of there naked? Like, no, but close. <laughs> I wasn't naked. I don't want charges. <laughs> nope. And that was my whole point. I didn't want charges with anything. The boxes were hugely oversized. They could have been shorts. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I, hilarious. I, uh, I, I, when I like, and then we, I had a, we had a coworker, uh, an ex coworker who passed and I actually went to his funeral yeah. and people were talking about it at the funeral. They're like, wait, was your brother? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was my brother. Cheers, motherfuckers. I'm a legend. <laughs> yeah, there was like some old lady pearl clutching, but everybody else was like, fuck yes, he's my hero. <laughs> I told that, I told them how I was going to do it. Oh, Nobody yeah. believed me. Nobody fucking believed me. No one. Amanda, yeah. Amanda tried throwing those boxes away for a while. I'm like, you can't throw them away. No. Why? Because I'm going to use them one day. Exactly. Those are the symbol of my defiance. <laughs> yeah. This is, this, is how, this is how they all know I'm a man of my fucking word. Exactly. I told them, this is what I will do, and this is what I have. I felt like the Joker from Dark Knight. I'm a man of my word. <laughs> my dog chasing a car. No, no plans. Just chaos. Ah. Oh, that was definitely a plan, Tom. That was a lot of hey, choices. Hey, the Joker shit was planned, too. There's no way you get two bombs on two different boats with yeah, exactly. walkie-talkies. Was... That was hugely planned. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was that was one of my favorite memes. Like after that movie came out, for an agent of chaos, he sure plans a lot. He had a schedule, a strict fucking schedule. <laughs> exactly, really had to be done exactly that time. It was yeah. Yeah, I tend not to. Uh, if I really hate a job, I I don't tend to burn bridges with a match. I tend to burn them with a flamethrower. Yeah, well, <laughs> everybody's got a different way. So I don't. I don't. I've been asked back to several jobs too. I don't walk out of every job like, like that, mind you. <laughs> I just, I, if I leave a place, it's because I wasn't treated right, and I'm not going to stick around. Yeah. You know, I know what my value as a worker is, and I think that's where things get lost, is people who are hard workers sometimes forget, like, you are valuable, yep. you know? You just have to demand that value. Exactly, and, and I won't go back somewhere where I'm not valued for that effort. Yep. You know, my, my hard work and my sweat and my tears don't matter then you don't get them. Hey, I feel, I, I know, hey, look, I quit my job a couple of months ago. Um, luckily, I made enough money at the last job, and that between jobs hasn't been no sweat, no mm -hmm. problem. I've been able to take my time, and I put my resume up online, and I know what it feels like to be a pretty girl at a bar. Yeah. Because everybody wants me. <laughs> I am turning down phone calls. I have gotten everything but dick pics from solicitors for job offers. Like, holy God. <laughs> you guys gotta come. You thirsty motherfuckers, calm down. Calm down. I'm like looking at my drink. Making sure. <laughs> Covering this yeah. up. Like, like, wait, wait. Are you kidding me? Slow down there. <laughs> I, got, I, I got called six times in one day. Wow. For, for a job. It's good though. I'm I'm glad that you have options and you'll be able to really pick something that you know. I'm 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 exploring right now. I'm taking. I took uh I, I took one job for about three weeks just to figure out if it's something I wanted to do, and mm -hmm. turned out they like to work too many hours. Like I don't want to do thirteen hours a day. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't gonna quit the job. I was just mm -hmm. gonna wait until I found something else and move on about it. And Amanda goes, 
don't. She's like, I want you here. She's like, I never get to see you. She's like, I, your yeah. son doesn't ever get to see you. She's like, fuck that job. She had me convinced to quit at 10 o'clock. I love that. On a Tuesday. I love that. And I didn't... I, you and her are such a good team, though. I love that. I know. I know. She's a, She's so complimentary to all the all the things I lack all and the vice bullshit. versa. <laughs> all the bullshit. We, Just is, we are the very definition of opposites attract. Yeah, you really are. What is that... Oh, it's one of my favorite things that you have ever said is that if it wasn't for her, you would have a lot of nice stuff, but you'd be living in the boxes that stuff came in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. I I can go and I can generate money. I can make money. I, I Whether it's selling collectibles or, or just, you know, good, honest, hard work or whatever. Mm-hmm. I generate money. It's something I, I like to do. Yeah. I don't know how to save the shit. I yeah. don't know how not to spend the money. That burns a hole in your pocket. Amanda, yeah, if it wasn't for Amanda, I would have a lot of nice shit. I'd just live in the box it came in. It's really hard to hang a plasma screen on the side of a fucking refrigerator box. So. But you would check. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so true. You're the poshest homeless man ever. I really would. I can build my own little shanty. I can do that. Oh, God. It's the fucking truth. That lady's got me. Yeah. But to return to the topic. Pause for a smoke before we return to the topic? Uh, yeah. Go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So to return, um, I do have just a little more, um, not much. This is basically the follow-up, the aftermath of the whole thing. So the circus, however, did survive, which is good, Um, which is good news, I guess. You know, they had jobs and... The performers, um, obviously, there was a huge gap. Yeah. You know, they, they lost, like... Well, you said the strong man lost his buddy, the mm-hmm. the, 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 the the flying wards or one whatever the lost, list, lost yeah. their person. Like, to be fair, if this was a Batman story, every one of them would have died except for the one, and then he <laughs> would have adopted the one, and that would have been Robin, so... I thought that, too. <laughs> I was like, ooh, flying Graysons. And yeah. then I'm like, yeah, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe, well, here, we'll <laughs> When just you're say, a nerd. I say, maybe the high flyer didn't die. Maybe she was just rescued by Batman and became Robin. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but no charges were ever brought against either Sergeant or... I'm actually um, glad to hear that because... Klaus, yeah. I mean, I he wrote too. a very detailed report where he very openly admitted that, like, hey, dude, I drifted off. Exactly. No excuses, no anything. Nope. I did this. This is what caused this. And yep. I, I respect that. I, you know, it is very hard to 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 because it feels like you know oh you had control of the other train well how much control do you got of something that heavy going that fast doing that you know when mm-hmm. and then to that one brief like you what we I think we were talking the the whole thing about he remembers Gary but then you know it's the it's the train wreck after that and it's like the gap between Gary and where that happened at is not very big. Like, no. that would have been enough time for his chin to hit his chest and get out two good exhales, and bam, he hit that thing. Yeah. So, I can't yeah. imagine. It's very sad. Like I said, I, I don't feel like he is a bad guy in this. I think he it was just a very, very tragic accident. A normal, hardworking dude made a mistake. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it haunted him. You can't, oh, you, there's I'm no sure. way. I'm sure, yeah. they They simply had to live with it. You know, and I, I and honestly, I kind of think that's the worst punishment, you know? And and for dozing on the job, you know? Something everyone has done. Yeah, yeah. But the circus survived um, because other 
Circus X had performers that volunteered to go fill the gap. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Um, It only missed two shows in the end. Uh, Anna Donovan, the wardrobe mistress and a survivor of the wreck herself, said we had to go on, no matter how we did feel on the inside. The show must go on. Yep. The Hagenbeck Wallace Circus was eventually purchased by the Ringling Brothers, and it gave its last performance on... Um, gave its last performance in 1936. Wow. Yeah. And that's the story. That's so. That's it, crazy, man. That's a, little a little lot. Shorter, of, a little shorter, a little sweeter, but you know. A little sweeter. <laughs> uh, the well, tragedy. Meaning is that it's short and sweet. <laughs> sorry, but yeah. That's the tragedy. Yeah, I could have used better terms. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Sorry. 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 <laughs> I'll do better, but that was, I found that one interesting though, because I didn't, I know like circus culture and things like that, it's, it's very like, do you imagine the sound effect of when the train hit the other train? Oh my God. (laughs) And now we're going to hell. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Now we're going to hell and we're taking everybody who laughed at that with us. You're welcome. (laughs) I will see you all there. I'll be the one selling snow cones. Oh, but I do know there's such a tight knit community around like circus culture and things like that. So to me, it was like, I kind of felt it too on the level like it. But there's a tight knit community around theater performers, around tattoo artists. And you know, yeah, even exactly. If, and there, that's why I was artists, sympathizing with well, it. You do you such know? A, it's family. Art is so emotional, right? And so when you, when you're meshing your art with other people's art and then you're, you're being successful and you're having fun and you're, you're doing what you want to do and love to do. And, and then you you're literally half of what you do just got ripped to shreds in, yeah. in, in a tragic instance. The people you love and relied on are just to a, still have love for there. your art after that moment. It's kind of a testament to the will of the, of those people. Like, exactly. Circus performers aren't, aren't notoriously like weak people either. Like they're no. kind of get up and go, start your own thing, march to your own drum. You know mm-hmm. the definition of marching to your own drum. You know, yeah. I mean that's been the that's the joke around here. Or you know, I the, guess in, one of the you, I'm gonna run away to the circus and be my own. You know, well, we had a great uncle that did that. Yeah, I know that's great. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's awesome. I can't remember his name. I should know it. I'm surprised. Look, dude, if circuses were more of a thing a, now, a, one of us would have done it for sure. That's, it sounds terrible, but Carol, I think it was. I think it was our great uncle Carol. I say, I know Dad's told me about it before. Yeah, but he literally ran away and joined a circus. That's awesome. And I'm like, wow, you know. <laughs> but I, I say, if you run away to be a sword swallower today, it means something wholly different, contextually speaking. <laughs> it's because your parents are fairly conservative or something. <laughs> I'm running away to be a sword swallower in San Francisco. Oh, God. That's all right. Teach their own. Yeah. And I, I, I know a lot of, I have a lot of, like, gay friends, and you know, who are, who have that story. But oh, yeah. It's kind of great because it's the same thing. They found their family, you know. And there is something to be said about found family. Oh, yeah. Well, you know me. I've always, I've always said, like, to me, family is in the heart, not in the blood. There is a exactly. lot of there's a lot of people I'm I'm related to by blood that like I don't wish them any ill will or anything. No. Uh, but I feel closer to a lot of people that I'm not. Yeah. Related to you know my my. 
Exactly. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm really There's close with a lot of people who are something related to me. really powerful, I think, in having someone choose to love you. The family you choose, not the family you were given. Exactly, but... You know, there's no genetic obligation. Yeah. You know, it's just, this person loves me because of me and who I am, and they chose me. There's and no that's, pretext to that's it. That's powerful. Yeah. There's no pretext of they no. have to or we were here. But it's no. like, I found this one kindred soul in the in the darkness and chaos that is life. Yeah. And we, here we are holding our lanterns together for more light. Like Exactly. I'm going to yeah. cling to these people, you yeah. know. And that's, yeah. And I think that's what I found here and i'm i'm lucky because it's not this way in the tattoo industry a lot there is a lot of backbiting there is a lot of dodgy behavior there's a lot of heavy competition and it makes me sad because we could be so much better and so much more and yet we choose not to you just described humanity on a whole yeah 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 there's so much we could do so much more together but there's so many of these small things that we want to be in competition over and yeah backbite and i think push Megan other and i were down. talking about that like that's the monkey in us, man. The monkey yeah. in us that wants to push the other monkey down so we can reach higher up on the branch. Yep. That's the monkey in us, man. But it, Megan and I were talking about that. Like, how much further would humanity and civilization be if we had a more cooperative spirit with one another? So how far would civilization and humanity be without humanity? Uh, well, with better. Well, better that's version the thing. Well, not, let's not look at it in terms of good or bad. Like... Good was redef- or good is redefined by the times and culture you're living in. In mm-hmm. in in his day, Genghis Khan was considered great. Yeah, you know Alexander the Great literally had it in his name. But these guys literally raped and murdered their way across the known world in one direction or the other, and they're celebrated for it, and still celebrated for it. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. And we did talk about that too because we talked about um, Meg and I talked about like how Rome is very much seen that way, mm-hmm. you know, and that's. But that's oh. what it was. Mm. How many cultures did they crush? At how much potential did we lose? You know, because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, because that was that was um, the the doctor in question that we were talking about. She was brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, and she died at thirty five. She died the same age I currently am. Yeah. And it was like, how much more did she have to give? Yeah. You know, how much more could she have done? And when she was murdered, they didn't just take her, you know, from this world. They took her contributions oh, away yeah. from us, too. Well, well, you think about it. How many times has a cure for cancer been killed in a car wreck? Yeah. How many times has that one, you know, ground or earth-shattering equation for physics that would allow us to master fusion been killed in a and by a piano falling out of the fucking sky? Yeah. Like... It just, I go back to the, again and again and again, it's that Michelle McNamara quote, um, Patton Oswalt's wife who passed. Yeah. Um, it's all chaos. Be yep. kind. Mm-hmm. You know? We, that, well, we were talking about it earlier. The, the, the universe is chaos. Humanity is the only bastion of order in the entirety of the universe. If, if you think that, like, humanity is uncaring or cold, just look out into the stars where planets are smashed by meteors and, look you know, asteroids nature. take away. Yeah! The randomness... Just animals and the animal kingdom and how they treat one now, another. Now, granted, the only difference is, is there's nothing personal to the destruction in that randomness. There's nothing personal there where humanity introduces a personal yeah. element to it. We're out there if a, if a... You know, when the there was nothing personal when the universe threw a rock at us and killed the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. You know, and the next one that hits our planet won't be personal either. Yeah. 
but all of the you know the fighting that humanity will do amongst each other there's yeah personal. that's personal yeah yeah but like yeah there we are the bastion of order in all of the universe everything else is just chaos and death yeah and that's all i can think is just find your tribe and, and stick with it yeah you know, I've, I've got mine and well, I'm, I'm very lucky and isn't that the problem nowadays is so many people have found their tribe and then when you find your tribe you're you're isolated from the other tribes and the other tribes become as dangerous. isolated as you could be but we're, we're in, i don't feel like we're in an age where you can truly be isolated unless you like well put down fine technology. how about isolated and ide- ideologically so. isolated yes everybody but that's picks why their tribe of ideas you have to let people in yeah. you have to get hurt Right. You know, you have to let people in and <coughs> or, learn or, from them and, you know. Or just don't take ever anybody's opinion personally. You know what I mean? Like, allow other people, as long, as long as people aren't directly hurting somebody else, having their, letting them have their fucking opinion because yeah. you just, and then to hold that opinion up and to either I, challenge it I or. I just got shamed for liking pumpkin spice, okay? I'm like, look. That's I don't some, care. That's some My basic PSLs, bitch shit. I will. I no. know it's basic, that's bitch, basic and bitch. I am shit. okay with that. I will <laughs> die with my PSLs. Okay, so fight me. That's the hill I'll die. <laughs> and pineapple on pizza. I will give a. You want to see I'll chaos, motherfuckers? <laughs> on my damn pizza. I'll say. <laughs> okay, I only like Be pineapple mad. on pizza for the chaos of other people who don't. I, I do like getting the panties in a bunch of motherfuckers who don't like pineapple on pizza. I. Am so like genuinely surprised when somebody is actually mad about it, and it's like that's what you're wasting your energy on. This is hilarious. I must do this more. This is well. That that's how you know <laughs> that humanity is is truly we, okay. So I, this actually goes back to to like the working conditions in, in that era that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Is they weren't as concerned with the safety measures back then because they were literally just getting the operation off the ground. Well, we've gotten to such a comfortable place with that technology that we have had to implement safety measures. That's why mm-hmm. we, you know, they call it, what, nerfing the world, you know. Mm-hmm. We're literally in such a comfortable place and have so many systems that, you know, make everything else comfortable that we have to make problems in order to, to stay, you know, yeah. on that motivated side. Even going further, though, we even have programs now that can predict potential problems, yeah. you know. Oh, well, so, they, yeah. they say that, like, just using internet chatter, you can predict the future. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe it. I believe it. I always know what's, like, trendy, too, when I go through, like, what I'm going to have a wave of coming up as far as, like, tattoo trends based on, like, what I see on social media. Rick and Morty! Yeah. <laughs> well, it, a lot of it, too, is just changing styles, you know? Yeah. I know what style is coming up next once I start seeing it from certain, you know, certain mm-hmm. artists or certain places. And once I start seeing it more and more, I'm like, okay, that's going to be the next thing. Yeah. And inevitably it is. Well, it's like that new wave graffiti style that hit uh, tattoos in like the, the 2000s in that like mid to two or that oh, almost 2000s every trend, era. every tattoo yeah. trend, like the barbed wire, yeah. you know, yeah, the, was huge the sun and the moon, yeah. every girl needing a dolphin on her ankle, you know, all of that, like... The tramp stamp. The tramp stamp, you know, yeah, yeah the um, the the underboob piece, the chandelier piece, oh, you yeah. know, that's yeah. a more recent one. And I think they're all valid, you yeah. know. I mean, that's the thing. Art is so individual, and I don't think you get to tell anybody, like, how to express themselves. Well, and art is by the culture, which is by yes. the time. So what, what some Victorian-age person wanted tattooed on them is totally different than what I, you know, I would find valuable want tattooed on me, you know? Yeah. Well, um, 
one of the victims of the Bertrand Kingsbury run. They never know his identity, but he had tattoos on him, which at the time was very unusual. Right. So he was literally labeled the tattooed man because of that. But to me, it's interesting because he had one of his tattoos was of a a comic strip character from the time. And then he had a memorial piece where he had people's names and the dates they died. See, that's when people are like, well, you got superheroes tattooed on you. (laughs) And you're like, this has been going on forever, man. It's new mythology. That's all it is. Exactly. It's new mythology. That's all it is, man. It's story time because we love stories. People love stories. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. This is storytelling. You know? We love stories. Humans connect using stories. Yep. You know, I think it's it's the one thing that continuously bonds us together. And I think it's why I like it so much. You know, I think it's why it matters to me so much. Yeah. So it's... It's a way to reach out. And... Dark history is just the way I choose to do it, you know, but I'm mildly obsessed with history. <laughs> just, I can stop anytime I want, I'm sure, but... <laughs> <laughs> Tie off. Shoot me up with them facts! <laughs> exactly. Wait, this is an interesting person I've never heard about. Tell me more. I need it now. It's oh, bad. <laughs> There's a dark side. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It's... I don't know. I think it's interesting. And then sometimes... Like with the Dr. Nabe case, it, I feel like the darkness kind of out- overshadows sometimes all their accomplishments, which is why like uh, that episode just came out, and I know you don't listen, but so I'm just going to tell you. Um, I tried to highlight her accomplishments as much as I could and everything that she did because she was damn impressive. Yeah. She died in 1911, was, yeah. and she was a doctor. From what you're saying, it's it, it reminds me of the... Um... The lady who took the basically took the first photograph of, of DNA. Yeah, we talked about her too, Rosalind yeah. Franklin. Yep, she and she never really got the credit she fucking deserved. No, for it. no, Megan. Yeah. Megan has a joke that that was one of the first ones. Like she told me when we met, and she said, "What did Watson and Crick discover? Rosalind Franklin's notes." Yeah, pretty basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, and there's another tragedy too. Well, they Do had, you know they, they actually had a on it, but she proved their theory, which is so much more than they did. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it, they, they dismissed her as a lab assistant first. Yeah. And then they actually, when the whole debacle came to light and everything, right? Mm. They made her promise or sign paperwork saying she would not work in DNA anymore. Yeah. Not I mean, granted, she was a brilliant woman. Yeah. She still had many contributions to give, mm-hmm. but what a petty way to well, do that, something. that's actually not that weird so um in in construction you'll find a lot so like when a smaller construction business gets bought out by a large construction business mm-hmm. the one thing that they will tack on there is a fee and a, a clause in the contract that, that says you can't do this kind of work for five years it's a non-competition agreement wow it's okay. it's because you're selling them their thing and they don't if you can take the machinery and everything but what you can't ever take are the connections that that mm-hmm. people that person has so <clears throat> when you buy that company you're getting their contracts or not you're not getting them per se but you're ha- you're getting access to the contracts and the money that they were making and mm-hmm. if that guy's still there all he's got to do is take the money that you used to buy him out go buy different machines put a different sign on the door and he's in the exact same business and all you did was get the equipment mm-hmm so it, by having that guy non-compete with you for so many so much time, it gives you a chance to, to capitalize on on your purchase of his equipment and yeah. company. Gave them a chance to capitalize on her hard work. Exactly, but usually in the in those circumstances, yeah. the person is compensated to 
not compete. Mm. It's part of the agreement. It's part of the... You're not just buying... That I don't know. You're buying their... Yeah, to when be I, fair. When I do that episode, I will look into that. Right, so. to see if she actually... I mean, to be fair... It doesn't. It doesn't make it a, a much easier pill to swallow. But if she got compensated to sit at home afterward and, and be like, "Hey, you're too good at this. Give us a chance." <laughs> like at least, at yeah. least she would have that. Yeah, we. I've got a few in the wings that I really want to talk about more historical figures, but I I do really enjoy doing the local stuff yeah. for some reason. It just knowing that that events happened around me. It it feels. More connective, I guess, because you hear of chaotic stories, but it's always like, oh, well, that's all over there. Well, here's or, that's the, all over there. Isn't that the upside and downside to America? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, most countries are smaller than our state. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you you look at like New Zealand and what they're doing with with COVID shutting everything it's down. That's large that's the here. equivalent of us shutting down a large American city. Not yeah. even a large American city. That's us shutting down a, a medium sized American city, and that's mm-hmm. the populace of their entire country. Yeah. Where our our country is so large and so diverse culturally speaking that like every state is its own bastion. Yeah. You are going to and you know, we share a few things regionally here or there, but like so much has mm-hmm. to happen in just this amount of space and people that there's no way that you can hear about it all. Yeah. There's no way that you know what I mean, it can be Well, you so, even see that like um on TikTok there is a British guy who's been trying like American snacks and things like mm-hmm. that. But you'll see in the comments people are like, Well, I've never seen that snack or I've never heard of that, you know? Yeah. And it's like well, this is an American thing. Well it's like it it's is a, it? a yeah. certain is region it? of it? America. It's yep. a thing. But like in another region, we'll have not heard of it at all. Well it's you uh, know it's like uh, in and outs. Jack in the boxes. We yeah. don't if, if you have a person who's never left this area, they have no fucking idea what either of those restaurants are. They've never heard of them. They've never had a mm-hmm. double double animal style with a chocolate milkshake. They've never had any of that shit, mm-hmm. and they're missing out in life. But Ugh, Portillos. Uh, see, I can't. I like. I, I love Portillos. Yeah, but the one over here gave me such bad food poisoning. I'll never go back. Oh, do they? I was almost dead. Okay. Uh, see, for me, it's the, the one, Chicago. Yes, one. the one in Chicago. The one outside of Chicago on the way back mm-hmm. is amazing. I love it. Giordano's for me in Chicago, East yeah. Side. If you don't like Giordano, I've said it before. If you don't like them, bite me. I don't care. Deep dish all the way, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> fight me. <laughs> but. It's another hill I'll die. But that's the thing. Okay. Regionally, that's I mean, hell. That's a great example. Regionally, you got mm-hmm. Chicago deep dish pizza. You got you know New York flat. You know big, big slices. You got a folding taco. Then mm-hmm. you got like, you know the the California style where it's more um, more uh, utilitarian where it's just it's the fresh mozz sprinkled on. It's not layered in cheese. It's just mm-hmm. it's a lot more al fresca or whatever they call it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's it's different literally everywhere you go. I mean, yeah. fuck, barbecue is regional. The type of sauce you use, whether or not it's a vinegar-based or a tomato-based. Yes. Or... Oh, God. <coughs> barbecue is crazy. It's so diverse. You, ever, you want to see crazy diversity diverse. in barbecue? Look at coleslaw. Coleslaw is not made the same anywhere. 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 Literally next-door neighbors make that shit differently. Yep. <laughs> Potato salads, too. Oh, yeah. Somebody said that the other day. Why do white people put raisins in their potato salad? I'm, I'm like, wait, don't. who the fuck, who the fuck <laughs> does that? Exactly. I heard that too, and I'm like, okay, that might be some weird white people. Yeah, but like that's some weird no. suburban white people. <laughs> exactly. shit. Exactly. Exactly. That's somebody who watched Gordon Ramsay too many times and got inspired. Like, I can't help you there. And, but even he it's would be like, us. "What are you doing, you Moffat?" Ex- <laughs> 
Exactly. Ugh. No, we don't like that shit either, and I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> how, to, how to explain that regionally we're all different? Yeah. We all look the same, but I swear there's some diversity amongst us. Exactly. I fucking hate mayonnaise. Can I put that on the books? I, yeah. I hate the white people love mayonnaise things. Like, fuck mayonnaise, bro. I don't mind it. I, I guess it doesn't bother me when. Well, I you also another, like pumpkin spice latte, I so do. nobody's I fucking know. shocked. Right. <laughs> All right, Becky. All right, Becky, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Fair, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even be mad. I, mean. I make fun of Amanda for liking pumpkin spice lattes too. She's oh, like, oh, I don't care. She's like, I'll be basic as fuck about it. It's my favorite time of the year. Do you know how white girl excited I am right now for fall? It's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's the same way. She's like, it's September first. Let's go. <laughs> Why are the leaves turning colors now? Go, oh, do it. You know Amanda's what you're like, to do. Amanda was just saying it before I left. She's like, God, can't it just be spring or uh, fall till spring? Like, Yeah. <laughs> skip the winter part. Let's just do fall till spring. Exactly. I told her there are places we can move that you can do that. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah. So I think that's a good place to end this on. But thank you very much for coming back and doing this I with me I fucking love it, man. So, I know. I like doing it with you. It's fun. It's fun. And... Unfortunately, our lives are both so busy. Like, I feel like it's one of the few ways I get to spend time with you now, I know. you know? It's an amazing way. you got to schedule it in there, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this is a good reason to do it. So, and we both hey, learned something. Hey, so. look, dude, we hung out a lot in, in our early 20s. Yeah. And, I mean, we were around each other pretty nonstop for, for the decade that was my 20s, at least. Mm-hmm. And we, we both got our footing under us. We both had to grow in, in in the direction that our family you know required and we've never cut each other out but like i i love the moments that i get we've with, taken with breaks guy. from each other though yeah fuck like, yeah we have it's like if i see you i will smack you in the face with my shoes so like, yeah. like just not be yes. around each other for me a and my wife have taken those breaks from each other <laughs> fuck you yeah oh yeah <laughs> name somebody who knows me that didn't have to take one of those breaks go mm-hmm. ahead i'll wait Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think it's it's uh, my old mother's though. like I've had too much of you. Yeah, every now and then, like I need to walk away. I need to walk away. Yeah, I know. But even like I was gonna say, like even like if it's a side effect of big personalities, but I don't think it is because my son's a very quiet personality, and there's been times where I'm like, just go the fuck away. Yeah, just go sit. I, I love you with all of my heart. Anybody who knows me knows that my kids are my pride and joy. Yep. But every now and then, I just I don't want to be anywhere close to them. Yep, I need you to fuck <laughs> off right now. Exactly. Mommy loves you, and I need you to go fuck off. Exactly. Like I don't <laughs> want to see your face. I, mm. I loved it so much. I still love it so much, but I also want to squish it right now. Yep. So just. Walk away. Hey, I, I, Amanda, Amanda, when she gets sick, she gets grumpy, but she also gets cuddly. Yeah. It's a very confusing moment as a man. She's a cat. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I fucking know it. Dude, she... Is that love me, love me, love me? Okay, enough affection. Fuck you. Yeah. Or, or fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then you got to hold her like a cat while she... Yeah. Yep. <coughs> That's the first way she gets to. Yeah. So Scott um, calls me a fox sometimes, and it's not in a sexy way. It's because foxes are literally the most cat-like dog out there, and he's like, if there's anything that resembles your personality, I think that's it. I'm like, thanks, dear. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Fair. You could have just left it foxy lady, asshole. Exactly. You didn't have to elaborate, but he did, so... What do you what do you want me to go around here spraying musky urine everywhere? Fine, I'll be a fox. 
Sorry, we looked into having them as pets. It's one of the big problems with having them as a pet. Yeah, no. They go. They, They're really they, cool. They piss. They piss a lot when they want to mark their territory, mm-hmm. and it's stinky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they want to make everything their territory. So <laughs> I get pissed at my dog when he pisses on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lace does that too because she does not like getting her paws wet. If it rains or there is morning dew on the grass, she's like, no, I'm just going to write. She tried shitting on the pavement yesterday and Scott just about had a, just. You better duck off your ass to the yard. He was like, I don't fucking think so. Like I could hear him and I'm like, what is she doing? God damn it. He comes back and he goes, you will never believe what that dog just tried to do. (laughs) Poor puppies. I know. They got to deal with human weirdness. Yeah, no shit. Did you ever see the video though of the dog shitting on a speedboat while it's like going? No, I must have missed that one. Yeah, Somehow that didn't thing. make it into my YouTube pooping radar. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hilarious to me. It's that sounds great. <laughs> I'm definitely going to go home and watch it. Dog shits off speedboat. Yeah. Yes. Oh god! And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another production of The Wicked Side. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for coming back and listening. I really appreciate you, everybody who comes back. And um, I really love that I get to keep doing this. And I know I say it every episode, but it's because I really mean it. And um, Thank you, Tom, again for being here with me. And I'll drag you back into it soon, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> time. I won't be happy until I've dragged all of my friends and family into this. Oh. Hey, look, dude, you did it with tattooing. You might as well go ahead and do might it as well, too. Might as well. Scarring us all in your own fucking special way. Exactly. But you like it, so at least there's that. Well, you know, my masochism knows no bounds. <laughs> with history or ink, so. Alrighty, well, thank you guys, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. <laughs>